in this episode of the Explore Information Security Podcast, How to Become a Social Engineer, Part 1. Welcome to the Explore Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring how to become a social engineer. Joining me today to help answer this question is Chris Hednagy. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. So well, I guess we should start at the basics. What is social engineering? Well, that's a good question because I think there's so many different definitions flying around out there. And my my personal definition is something pretty broad in general. So I define SE as any act that influences a person to take an action that may or may not be in their best interest. And I use a broad definition because I don't always think it involves manipulation. I don't always think it's negative. I don't always think it means that it's bad. Uh, I think we use SE every day in our lives. All right. So, yeah, that's I think that's a I like the general idea because I've always seen like building relationships, you know, like even something in as simple as like a work environment. Um, And I hesitated to call social engineering last year because within our industry, it's it's kind of heavily tied to, you know, uh, physically breaking in uh, phone calls, emails. But then as I started like reading up on social engineering, really diving into it, I found like this, a lot of these same uh, techniques and, you know, things people are doing apply and they're in other books that aren't, you know, titled social engineering. I, I would agree. And I think that's just in the general sense. When you do get into our community or our industry, I do think that the that from a job scope or from a malicious side, the definition changes. But I think as an overall, I'd like to define it more general. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I, I looked up Wikipedia and it was like uh, a lot of politicians, the social engineering from like a political <laughs> yeah. standpoint. Yeah, you get that a lot too. Yeah, but I think more specifically here, we're talking about, and I liked your talk that you did this past year where it was, I'm talking about professional social engineering, so not using the stuff to malicious, but to kind of help organizations with uh, figuring out their flaws and where they might need to improve as far as their security goes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good focus for, for this industry. So who should become a social engineer then? Well, uh, you know, when you look at social engineering, again, now if we, if we change the, the general focus to, to this industry, because I think the term social engineer gets used so often, like if you, you know, if you trick somebody, they go, oh, I social engineered you. You know, that, I, I, I think that's too broad when we're talking about it in the sense of our industry here. So in our industry, we have four main vectors that break down social engineering when it comes to a malicious side. So you got phishing vishing, smishing, and impersonation, so breaking in, you know, through through SE methods. Um, so, t- you know, from a, from a corporate or professional perspective, a professional social engineer is a person who can successfully help a company learn what vulnerabilities they have according to those vectors and then is uh, skilled enough to help them build programs or education or technology to defend against those very vectors. Okay. And what skills are needed to, to do all this? Oh, boy. So uh, that, that's actually a really great question because I get that question all the time through our website. People will constantly ask. Um, and and that's a, it's a, it, I will say up front, it's difficult to define every skill, but I can, I, I'll give you a couple generic ones at first. So 
Um, social engineering, because it's not as technical as, let's say, network pen testing or, or other types of security work like coding or exploit writing, um, the technical skills are not as heavy as the people skills. That doesn't mean you need to be a master salesperson. You just need to be able to, to control your fear when you're interacting w- with, uh, with other folks that you don't know. So you got to have that drive that you want to go out and speak to people, learn about people, and interact with other people. Uh, that, I would say that's a, that's a big primary skill. Um, then secondarily, you do have to understand. Like This is one thing I, I, that I, I always um, struggle with, how to say it and not sound negative. You know, I, I really don't I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert or where you sit in that spectrum with a little bit of time and some training. I guarantee I can get anyone to have the comfort level to talk to a complete stranger. So that skill level is not difficult to obtain The the next skill level is and that is the understanding the difference between the why and and the, the how. Right. So I can I can teach anyone. You're a complete introvert. I could teach you. Here's how you walk up. Here's how you talk to someone. Here's how you start a conversation. Here's how you elicit information. And we've done this in our classes and they will come back and they will successfully have elicited information from a complete stranger and they're total introverts and they're shocked. But now the next stage is the understanding of the why it worked. So what was the psychological principles behind the, the reason why this piece of elicitation worked. Because until you understand that, you can't really help a potential customer fix it, right? It's kind of like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a mechanic. I know very little about cars, but I may be able to tell you that it's a CV joint that is going in your Honda because I know the sound of a CV joint going in a Honda, but I cannot replace it. I cannot tell you how to fix it. I cannot tell you what the part even looks like but I know what the sound is. So just because you can make someone give you information doesn't mean you're a professional social engineer if you can't help them understand the why it worked, which is the the way that we fix the problem. That was a long rant. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how much so how much of this is training and how much of it is experience? I think a large majority is is training. Um, in reality, I really do. I think a large majority of this is, is trained and, and, um, and the training part I think is the skills behind being a social engineer. So let's take one vector fishing. Um, you, you know, if to, to, to really perform good spear fishing, you need to learn how to do OSINT and that's a skill you can learn. And then once you get the OSINT, you have to learn how to analyze that OSINT to pick out which pieces of OSINT make um, and I, I don't. I'm, I'm assuming your audience is really technical, but I should say OSINT stands for Open Source Intelligence. So what we, the information that we gather on the web about the target, um, and then analyzing that information to pick out the best emotional content that makes a good fish, and then writing the fish. All of these are skills that can be taught, and then um, and and then sending the fish through either software or however you're going to do. It. That's a technical skill that can be taught. And then gathering the results of that fish, whether it's a shell or it's just click or whatever it is, and technically being – all of those are skills. But now in that list, there's one piece that's not really a skill that's taught, and that is the analyzing of the data to pick out the best emotional content. And that's not a – that's not a that comes more with experience than it does with skill. You can have a great O-Center, but they're not really good at picking out that – one piece of data that's going to make the best fish. 
So that 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 will come with time and experience and seeing what worked, what didn't work, and then trying to understand why it worked. And so is that like kind of like the scenario where you're just like, there's something that draws your eye to the page, like an IP address or an email address or something like that? Well, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, we had a, um, a target recently, right? So we're doing OSINT for this target. Our job is to write one spearfish uh, based on the OSINT that we find. Now, we, um, I'll give you a few pieces of OSINT that we found. So this, this person, she lives in a second-story apartment um, on a busy street. And the street is known for having construction on it, right? And this is always in the newspaper uh, in the area that she lives. We have her home address. We know exactly where she lives. We know the company that she works for. Obviously, they hired us. And doing OSINT into her job, um, one of her roles is to manage customer complaints. So she publicly asks for people to send her customer complaints um, through through the Internet and lists her email address publicly to say, please send your complaints to this email address, and every one of them will get responded to. Um, thirdly, we found her Facebook page. So we know her favorite restaurants, her favorite vacation places, um, her family, but she's not very active on Facebook. right? So now let's just take those three pieces of OSINT, and out of those three – uh, we can think of three different vectors, right? So maybe vector one, uh, because we know that her home uh, street is always under construction. Maybe she gets a fish that tells her there's going to be another period of construction and to see the schedule, click here, okay? Maybe fish number two is an answer to a complaint, a complaint that that um, that she would have uh, sent to her based on, on something that happened due to her job role. And thirdly, uh, maybe an update from Facebook uh, because of uh, her family or someone else commented about her on a post uh, from a picture of one of her vacations. Now, there's three very viable phishing emails just based on that very short scenario. And and all of them sound reasonable and all of them sound decent, but experience will tell you which one of those will get looked at first and clicked first and which one makes sense. So there's factors, and I don't want to, you know, put you on the spot and then say, "Oh, you were wrong." If you get it wrong, so I'm not going to do that to you. But um, hey, 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 there's nothing wrong with getting anything wrong. I mean, okay. you even said it in your talk where it's like I did. Okay, the, so you want to take a guess out of those three, which one do you think would work the best, and why? Oh gosh, probably the sending the complaints. And why? Um, you can. I. I mean, I feel like you could get very angry about it. I. I don't know. That that's just the one that stuck out to me in my head. Okay. Well, this so this is a good this is a good example of of exactly what I'm talking about, right? Now I don't know if you do SE. Do you do SE for a living? I, I do not. I, it's part of my role, but it's not like something I focus on daily. Okay. So this is a good example of of what I was saying is that you got the right answer, right? That's the one that we did send and it did work. Um, but the understanding of the why is the important piece, right? Mm-hmm. So the first one. Um, would she have clicked on a schedule? Ah, maybe not. Maybe she would have looked at and went, ah, oh, my street's always under construction. I already know the, the shortcuts. I'll just wait till I see the cones and and be done. The third one, she wasn't very active on Facebook. So not, not having an active profile means that she may not be checking that email often, and she may not be have used her corporate email to sign up for that account, so it may not make sense. Whereas that middle email, that that one with the complaints, well, she openly asked for complaints to be sent. 
So once we analyze how the complaint should be structured, what her ask is, are we allowed to include PDFs? Are we allowed to include JPEGs? What are we allowed to include? Are we allowed to include Word documents or XLSs? Whatever it is in this complaint, now we can structure an email that we know will get read, opened, and most likely interacted with. So that helps us to not only develop a, a spearfish that will work, but afterwards it helps us to develop education that could that could help them enhance their program so she's not so susceptible to that vector. Right, right. And, and, and yeah, that's kind of the point I, I had here down is like how much of this is failure, like just gaining the experience. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is. You know, I mean, when I first uh, when I first started in this industry almost a decade ago, I would say there was definitely way more failure than than there is now. Um, uh, from my part, I would still you know I would still say that the success ratio was high because it, people were not as educated about social engineering. So from an attack perspective, we were very successful. But from a personal perspective, and understanding the why things worked or tweaking things so they worked better. Uh, that was, you know, I, I failed more in the beginning until I began to understand that. And then the more you understand about human nature and how we make decisions as people, uh, the the easier it becomes to grab those concepts. So I think one of the skill sets is is just understanding that, understanding things like influence and elicitation and some psychology. I'm not saying you need to be a shrink, but, you know, understanding some of these base things like trust building and rapport building. Uh, helps you to understand human decision making, which makes you a better social engineer. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, ha have you seen? I guess this is kind of a side question. Ha are you seeing people starting to pick up on social engineering, or are some of the same techniques that you used in ten years ago still working today? So the the techniques in themselves don't change, right? It's still phishing, phishing, smishing, and impersonation. Um, it, the, the techniques are there, and, and if you go back even before there was email. Con men uh, for centuries have been using the very same principles and vectors, just in different formats. But people are more aware. You can't turn. You you can just go to Google and, and click on news and type in phishing, and you'll be inundated with thousands of stories of phishing attacks. Type in phishing, which made it into the Oxford Dictionary in 2015 as a real word, and again you'll be inundated with thousands of stories on phone scams. And the list can go on and on, even smishing. It may not be thousands, it may be hundreds. But because of media and, and the way they're covering breaches, we're hearing more and more and more about SE. So I think people are more aware of what it is, and they're more aware of its vectors. And that's making them more leery towards these type of attacks, which means that the attackers are having to get smarter in order to be as successful as they once were. And I feel like this just kind of a progression of a progression of how things tend to tend to work out. You know, things get more complicated. You have to kind of advance your um, knowledge and, and what you're doing. Yeah. So what I always say is that our industry is reactive, not proactive. And it's not a fault of our own. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't mean that as a finger pointing, saying that it's bad, but it's really hard to proactively think about what attackers will do next. So uh, we, we tend to react, which means that when, when I see a new type of fish, now all of a sudden I'm learning about it, um, I'm analyzing it, and I'm figuring out how to help my customers defeat it. Um, but I'm not sitting here every day thinking of the newest type of fish that will come out next week so then I can defend against it. I'm doing it after it comes out. Okay, so are you kind of looking to see what the landscape is and then kind of crafting around that? Or like is it is it – 
I guess is it, it, it has more of a purpose. It does. You know, like, well, here, like here's an example. Like maybe seven or eight years ago, I in pen testing, I was utilizing multi-vectored attacks. So like sending a phishing email and making a phone call, right? You know, so getting on the phone with you and being like, hey, Tim, this is uh, Paul down in accounting. I got this invoice with your name on it. I have no clue what it is because it's all smudged. I'm going to email it to you real quick. Can you look at it? And while I'm on the phone with you, send you a, a PDF with a with malware in it. Since I'm on the phone with you, you don't do all the checks and balances of the email. You get it ding. You see the PDF. You double click it. It crashes your Adobe. And you're like, hey, Paul, uh, it's not opening. It's just crashing. Ah, You know what, Tim? I'm about to go to lunch. Just delete that email. I'll send you another one after lunch and I'll call you back. Okay, no problem. You hang up. I hang up. And now I have a shell because you clicked on that PDF with you know without having to to worry about doing all the checks and balances. Well, I've been using that vector for for seven or so years, and it's just about three or four years ago when we saw it getting popular in in the hacker world. Now, I couldn't have determined that that was going to happen, that we were going to see it get popular in the hacker world. I just it, I, I've been using it right. So again, the point is is that we're we're proactive, we're reactive in the sense that we wait for the bad guys to start using a certain vector. And then we start training, educating, and working against them. Okay. So what are the tools for a social engineer? Oh, boy. Um, wow. That's a, that's a very heavy question. Um, because the, yeah, it really depends on it – really de- it really depends a lot. I, I, w- I would say most of the tools that I can honestly mention are going to be are going to be uh, what they call wetware, right? So it's going to be things like uh, like rapport building and elicitation skills and some psychology and understanding nonverbals. All of these are going to be very important uh, for a social engineer and very important skill sets and tools. Um, learning how to communication profile and and uh, learn how to profile someone even before you start talking to them. All of these things are going to be vital as a social engineer. The rest of it are tools that really depend on the vector. Like if you're phishing and you're phishing to get remote access, then you obviously need tools like set or other tools that help you get um, shells on, uh, you know, once you send an email, if you're phishing, uh, then you're going to need a, a system that allows you to spoof phone numbers, to collect data, to record phone calls. You're going to need all, all, you know, that kind of system. And if you're impersonating, you're going to need a, you know, you're going to need outfits and 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 uh, micro cameras and other types of tools that will enable you to accomplish that job successfully. Okay, and then I guess there would also be things like do you use Maltigo a lot, and you know some of these other Google I think is a pretty obvious one, especially if you're doing like OSINT type of stuff. You know, when it comes to OSINT, Maltigo is is my best friend. I mean, I, I love Maltigo. I can't get enough of it. Um, when when it comes to OSINT, I would say your Google and Maltigo are my two favorite things on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I'm when I'm using Maltigo, uh, there's a set of transforms that I use from a company um, they call Shadow Dragon, and they help you dig deep into social media. So from an OSINT perspective, the three things that I love are Maltigo, Google, and all social media platforms. Those seem to be the things that kind of complete my ability to really accomplish um, uh, good OSINT. 
Yeah, absolutely. Social media is just, yeah, <laughs> when they're on there, especially, it's just a nice, nice, rich source of information. Really is. <laughs> and that will do it for part one. Hopefully you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. Have a good one. <laughs>